All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Trisha Tate. This is Small Talk with Trisha Tate. And uh, I, in this series, I've been conversing with health and wellness professionals in and out of New York City, um, discussing some of the highlights, challenges of running their business. Um, and today we have Marianne Ryan. Uh, she's a Manhattan-based physical therapist and an award-winning author Weeks flat. Okay, that sounds like a tongue twister. Uh, Marianne is passionate about helping women reclaim their changed bodies, whether they are pregnant, recently took part in the joy of birth, or are experiencing the joy of menopause. And <laughs> that's why you put joy around it. Um, watch her TEDx talk. What your mama never told you about childbirth. I, I might be afraid to watch that. But anyway, <laughs> good morning. We want to welcome Marianne. Marianne, thank you for being on with Small Talk with Trisha. I'm delighted to be here, Trisha. All right. Um, I wanted to dive right in because uh, usually these conversations get nice and juicy and chock full of information. Um, how did you get started in your business? You had a very interesting story when we first talked. Um, well, I am a physical therapist and I had a general practice. And with all the changes in healthcare, at one point we had 3,000 square feet in Midtown Manhattan, which is a lot. Two gyms, 10 very large treatment rooms, a, a, a room for the nine therapists who were working for me. So we were a busy, busy practice. And then we had a lease for another seven years or something like that, that everything just, we stopped getting referrals because doctors first were starting their own physical therapy practices. And then from there, the hospital started doing what's called hospital hoarding, where they make sure that all of the referrals are going within hospitals. So there's satellites throughout Manhattan now. So um, I just said, oh God. <laughs> so the last several years, it was very uh, painful because we were losing almost losing money, um, hardly making profits because we had this rent over our head. We actually sublet some, some pieces of it out. Um, and then during that time too, I decided, you know, I've been working as a physical therapist for over 30 years. Let me, you know, I came up to my 30 year anniversary. Congratulations. Oh, <laughs> what do I want to do now? And what do I want to spend, you know, what's my area of interest? And I've had specialties like the jaw TMJ treatment, and I've taught that at NYU, I've taught at uh, Columbia. Uh, university. So I said, you know, the most underserved clients are pregnant and postpartum moms. Mm. And who needs more help than these poor women who are walking around with biomechanical differences and they're just not sent for physical therapy treatment. A lot of doctors when they're in pain will say, oh, you know, if you have back pain, why don't you use moist heat? And then the person comes back a month later. So this is right. two months of pain. Well, why don't you try going for massage? It's like, go for physical therapy. By the time I get them, they're usually in pain for four months. And once you're in pain for three months in the same area, it becomes chronic and it becomes really difficult to treat. But right. we do help those moms. So, it was, so I said, you know, how am I going to um, expand my message that these women need more help? And it used to frustrate me. Why don't doctors understand it? And I decided, well, I'm going to have to educate them. And I don't think they would have been open to me, like knocking down their doors saying, you know, these people need physical therapy. So I decided to market to the consumer, which are pregnant and postpartum women. And I wrote a book 
which I thought would take, you know, maybe six months. It took, it was three years of really hard work and wow. it's a big book. It's 400 pages. So it's for, to help three women, which is for pregnant women. They can use it as a way to prep for birth, relieve pain. It's for new moms and it's also for experienced moms. And most of the people who do the pro program are one year, sometimes as far as 10 or more years past having babies and they're finally trying to recover from childbirth. So oh from there, I developed a niche practice and I have a lot of fun because I see moms and they even bring their babies in at times. And um, I feel like we're really helping. It's just, and it's happy. Childbirth is happy. So we're having happy days here. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, um, you know, my next question is, is about how you engage clients um, and then retain them. I mean, the, the baby making market, if you think of it as a, uh, um, as a sort of a capitalist or uh, industry that's um, driving a lot of services and products, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of offerings um, for women and moms. And uh, I wanted to know what, how did you engage your clients and build um, and build your practice over time? Was it really the book that helped you or like what, what really helped you? A variety of things. Some doctors are referring to me okay. um, that, you know, and that has gone through nutrition because doctors are now being encouraged to refer within hospital based physical therapy clinics. And it's not just at the hospital. They all have satellites now throughout Manhattan in different okay. areas. Right. So, that, you know, but I still do, you know, the more independent doctors, you know, or, or if they have VIPs, they send me the VIPs, you know, um, instead of having them worry about going to the clinic with uh, That's right. experienced therapists. So, so also word of mouth. I've been in practice a long time. I hate to tell you how many years altogether now. Um, you know, so I have that. Um, and then, um, you know, I get a lot of women who have what's called blocked milk ducts. We have a very unusual um, offer where most therapists, there's only like two other therapists in Manhattan and one of them works with me who knows how to treat blocked or clogged milk ducts. And that mm -hmm. parlays into then doing postpartum care uh, with them. And um, the book has definitely helped because it really helped to niche the practice and um, social media, believe it or not. Yeah, I was gonna. I was. I was gonna ask you to like walk me through sort of like the the process. So once you produced the book, it took three years, and it's four hundred pages. Like, how did you use that or all aspects of that as a marketing? I I did. You know, several things. I got involved with the biggest baby shower. You know, um, events like that, and um, some of them weren't worth it. Some of them were. I, the, the New York Baby Show. So. I don't know if the ROI was direct, but it, it helped build the brand. Yeah. And um, as far as like social media goes, it's, um, you know, I uh, set up a platform before the book was released. I had somebody help me with that. That's we great. wrote 12 uh, blog articles and I put it over all over uh, Facebook at that time. Instagram wasn't around because the book is now three and a half years old. Wow. So um, that helped build up the platform. And now at this point, these mommy groups within um, Facebook do not want me to post any blogs. <laughs> Why not? Like we, we don't want any self-promotion. I'm like, okay, you know, give me free exercises and advice, you know. They're so, probably using your book. 
And then I do a lot of media also. So I've had, you know, television shows that have interviewed me, um, you know, different news uh, shows include, and then lots of media, you know, red books, shape, I mean, you know, and Wall Street yeah. Journal. You've been very um, strategic in using sort of like your, your speaking stance and your author stance to promote the bit, which is great. Yeah, and then I've gone and I've done workshops, you know, Columbia University, even Asia. I've been in China doing workshops, teaching them the baby bod program. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. That's amazing. When you, um, when you, oh, so there might be a, um, a different story of both times, points in time, but when you open your first practice, mm -hmm. how did you think about hiring people? And well, the second part of that question is, when you were sort of reopening or shifting, how did you think about hiring people? So I just, I wanna give the audience the perspective of like being new to the hiring process and then. Yeah, when, years ago when I had my solo practice, it was a solo practice. And I, and this is when they had portable phones, you know, like, you know, that you could put into the cradle. It was in my pocket and, um, you know, that's how I ran it. I didn't have a front desk person. And it went on for quite a while because it gave me, um, a lot of flexibility. I'd make a ton of money, but I made enough to, I was a single mother. I was made enough to support my two kids and also have the flexibility to go to their little school play or, you know, if one of them is sick, I could, you know, have flex hours and right. then got too busy. So I started hiring, hiring people and made many mistakes. Um, like what? If you could share. The first assumption I had is my work ethic is abnormally um, high, which I didn't understand that. Um, <laughs> it always has been, <laughs> right? Uh huh. Um, and when you hire like people, a problem. huh? That doesn't sound like a problem to have a high work ethic. Yes, but um, not everybody else does. Okay. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that that was a learning experience. Um, also, I mean, I had to learn how to be a leader. I had to follow up with people when I'd asked, you know, get some, such and such done, I would assume they did it and I was busy treating patients and they didn't. And sometimes I've had people who would lie saying, oh yeah, I did it. Or, you know, or you never told me that. And I was like, Ugh. so I found, you know, I've done some productivity along the years. I've done a bunch of different courses that have helped me and uh -huh. you know, okay. productivity, um, using a board, like we use Trello, um, you know, to kind of do, do the follow-ups and, and right. um, to make sure things get done. So when I hired people, it was pretty easy. I'm having a real hard time now because um, it went from hiring people and there was a lot of therapists who were available who were good, who had a lot of experience, who weren't in private practice yet. So mm -hmm. that was the initial one. And then uh, once I expanded, it, that it wasn't that hard to hire really good therapists. Um, right now, I'm looking for somebody to hire to help me who has an interest in women's health and also experience in women's health. Because when I had several different people working for me, what happened is that I, you spend your heart and your soul training these people. And by the time you kind of get to about the three-year mark, you're, I can just send them any patient, you know, um, they're doing really well. I feel fully confident. And then they leave. <laughs> so it's like... So that happens several times. Um, and it's, it's, they're leaving, you know, because they're not going to be the type of person with um, having their own practice, but just out of interest, like, well, now I'm going to go here, you know. Um, 
So now, they, how have you worked to, you talked about two different challenges. One is you stepping up to be a leader. Um, so I wanted to know if there were any sort of professional development or specific programs that you went to that were helpful. That's the first part of my question. Yeah, you know, it, I highly recommend one that I took. It was a one-day course, and then he has like a leadership program where I don't have anybody, enough employees to really um, um, benefit from it. It might be something I might want to do um, next year. But recently, uh, about, I don't know, four or five months ago, I took a course called Less Doing. And he's got a great podcast. I can't pronounce his name. I think he's Israeli, um, but it's less doing. And um, I, I found it very, very helpful. Things like when I, did, you know, things like even though I have one full-time person, one part-time person, um, mm -hmm. instead of having emails back and forth, you can discuss things for the office via Slack, which right. I never even heard about. Then he explained how to use a Trello board. I was like, oh, cause like I had Trello boards, but there was like 15 of them for different right. subjects or different areas. Right. He has one and then he immediately delegates his cards to people. And what I learned from another, uh, what was it, Todd Herman, I took his course. You know, one thing he explained is that whoever you're working with, you should have a daily meeting with, not to yell at them, but to, you know, yeah. 10 minute, Powwow, where where are we with things? How can we get it done? You know, and then on a you know on a regular basis, you really should be going over all of those cards as a leader. Problem with me is I need somebody else to help me in the office because I'm just treating too many patients. So, you know, it, it, the follow through isn't as great as it could be. So um, I, I just want to touch on the other thing that you said. There was a bit of a challenge. Now, when you train people, when you bring people in, it's like you love them, you feed them. You train them in the way they should go, and then they leave. How do you how do you handle that situation and not take it into how you hire the next person? It's it's hard because the front desk person I have now is wonderful. She's actually a medical doctor from Pakistan, so wow. she will be going on for further schooling, which I'm actually. Um, helping her to see that she needs to do it, which is great. Um, so when she leaves, it's going to be hard. Um, there's been other people who just don't have great work ethics. And I'd go into a treatment room hoping that they were doing their stuff. And, you know, they're on the internet buying things, you know, on Amazon. You know, it's, it's hard. Um, so what I started doing after taking my Doing Less course is um, – making very specific steps on how to accomplish things. Like when a patient calls, these are the 14 steps you have to take, you know, to first right. name, they're this, they're that, and the other. You know, so um, they're procedural steps so that it makes it easier for somebody else to take it over. I got it. Now, this seems like this productivity course is something that... Uh, it was good for me. It really was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so you're handling motherhood and you're running a business and you're going around the world selling your book and being a speaker you remind me of the 700 women that i met recently at the national association of women business owners conference okay um, i am i am treasurer of the new york city chapter and it was so amazing to meet all of these women at various stages in their business and after listening to every woman the consistent story is they have so much to do. They're doing so many things. And I was like, we are just so powerful. 
how can you, <laughs> how do how do you share your superpowers all over the place? How do I share my superpowers? Uh, I'm you know I get burnt out and I try to uh, relax on the weekends. Okay. With, is hard because in the back of my mind, I have things that I'm supposed to be doing. Because when I wrote my book, I actually wrote every single weekend over the three-year period, and it became a three-day weekend. And then toward the last year was four-day weekend. And then the other days I treated. So it was just like crazy. Um, now I try to make sure that I have at least one full day off where it's like nothing but, you know, I can go to the gym, I can relax, we'll eat dinner out, you know, you know, go for a bike ride, things like that. Um, visit with people and then um, it's hard it, uh, you know uh, delegation is important mm -hmm. using Trello board is helpful which I have to get back to like really analyzing it again my husband actually helps me with the business too um, in the areas that I'm not as interested in which is like the numbers um, <laughs> my favorite place yeah so my reason, I get monthly reports and it's like, okay, how are we doing? Great. Because I'm the creative person and also, you know, and, and in order to be an entrepreneur, you really have to have creativity. He, you know, we, he and I actually worked together. And when he was like kind of running the business, it didn't work because he wasn't an entrepreneur. He was a numbers guy, operational. That's with his background. When you're an entrepreneur, you have to, I say, you have to look ahead and behind to be here at all times, you know? So it's, I call it a ricocheting brain. Other people might say I have ADD, but I don't think so, because um, I'm able to focus. Um, but you have to see, you have to have, um, it can't be myopic. You have to be able to see the future and what's behind you. And I don't get, um, I'm kind of, I'm good, good with myself. I mean, I don't get upset if a mistake happens. If something doesn't work out, it's just like, okay, so what can we do? Right. You know, where employees get really upset if I say, no, that's not working. Yeah. You don't have time to do that. You don't have time to do that as a business owner. Yeah. But you, ha you know, you kind of have, you know, you kind of have to, but um, it's just like, if, if it's not working, step back, do something else, you know, uh, where people can kind of get entrenched. And that's as you grow your business at, and you have somebody in charge of operations and if they can really hold you back, you know, where they can, I, you know, when I was working with my husband, who was the operations person, he had, actually was making me feel paranoid and, and, and it really held us back from grow, growth, you know, at that time. So this is a whole different thing. It's profitable and I'm very happy. <laughs> so in your first practice, you and your husband were working together? That was really the second. So I've had like three different levels. First solo uh, practitioner with therapist eventually working for me in a small space then we expanded and um at one point I think we had 13 employees all together and which is a lot and so I put I didn't have at that point because I had and my kids were still teenagers at home you know tweens and whatever so I was kind of paying attention to that emotionally I didn't have the emotional wherewithal to like really kind of step back saying well how do you handle working with these people it was yeah. just an enigma to me because it was just, you know, I was brought up during the healthcare days where there was a hierarchy and tyranny. So you respected anybody who had more um, experience than you, or if they were a higher level, like a doctor, and that's the way it's run. So dictatorship basically. And I had to kind of learn to kind of not do that. <laughs> so, um, 
So I am uh, a part-time CFO for different small and mid-sized businesses, and it's always very interesting to me to see the inner workings of a business and how, at least for me, the numbers reveal the story or the health of what's going on. So I can poke in a thing just in a spreadsheet and like reveal what is the issue in the operations or the strategy. Mm-hmm. So how important um, are numbers or looking at and knowing your financials, how important is that to you it's, and your business? It's very important because at one point I just kind of like turned over the key to my husband and let him run it. And I, and it was almost as if he was territorial, you know what I mean? You know, you know, there's dynamics that happen, but now we do monthly uh, P and L and um, we kind of look at the productivity over, you know, of, of me and then, and then the part-time therapist that I have. And, you know, at this point it's become very clear by looking at the numbers that I need somebody else to see people at least two days a week. We, don't, we have a really low um, patient load and we spend a lot of time with people. So I don't want a big practice again because you just lose control over it and there's a whole, a whole bunch of reasons, so. What are the three to five numbers that you look at when he gives you this report or whatever it is? What are the three to five numbers you look at on a consistent basis? The, the, the profit and loss. Okay see where the expenses are and how much we're profiting. Um, also the average price per patient, how much we're, get, we're char- charging mm-hmm. and what we're receiving. Um, we don't do very much uh, insurance billing, which is very different than other practices. Mm-hmm. We do send things to the insurance company so they can get reimbursed, but most people come in and they're paying out of their pocket. Um, so as far as like having extended visits with patients, when we used to take insurances, we'd see somebody 20 or 30 times during the year. Now it's probably an average of six and they get better, you know, so they're going to advanced therapists who focuses on them and puts them through a program. Um, some come more. The other thing is, um, the, you know, productivity, you know, gross income compared, you know, compared you know, last year at this time, how much do we have? Last year, how many patients were we seeing per week? A comparison. What does productivity mean to you? Like what? How many patients are we able to see either within a day or a week? I got it. I got it. And so you are using systems to track that? How are you tracking that information? My husband is. <laughs> when I also you do social media and everything and and also media you know internet and things like that so it's like you know all right you do that and let me look at the numbers he likes that so we do too did you i do too did you um did you know early on that like this wasn't the thing that you loved and just outsource it or did you try to do like be all that you can be and be all aspects of the business and then figure out, I need to outsource this. Yeah, my original books were literally, it was a spiral notebook. Every year I have a new one and we'd write down all the, you know, things we'd get, you know. Um, so I was aware of it that way. Um, but with the expand, when we expanded, it just got too overwhelming. It certainly couldn't be done that way. And I needed to learn how to like really use spreadsheets and read them. Because yeah. like the first time he gave me a spreadsheet, I'm like, uh-huh. And any other therapist within my practice who was more, you know, creative, we were all like, yeah, okay. It can be fun. I mean, I have a creative and I have a left and a right brain thing. It can be fun. It's just how you present it. 
I guess so. It's never, you know, it's, if it's a lot of profits, it's fun. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of profits are cash. And then you're like, hey, we're doing great. Moving on. But, you know, there's always changes. There's things like we're finally setting up a sub, um, what, sub S Corp. S Corp. Yeah, which I'm a PLLC and it's a little bit more involved and it should have been done a couple of years ago. Um, uh, you know, you know, things like, you know, I probably should change my accountant now again, because um, you kind of outgrow people. Yeah. Um, if you're looking, if you're looking for someone, I know a few people. Excellent. Talk so. about offline. Um, you're a systems person. So what systems are you or your husband using to track these numbers? Oh, he uses QuickBooks. Okay. It's like the grandfather, most reliable system. Yeah. That's and not a plug for anyone. That's just... Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago, he decided, well, let me do their certification course for the heck of it. Yeah. Um, So he did. And that was that. So he, so somebody else does that, which is great because that's not my thing. (laughs) Can you share one of your success stories with the audience? Pardon? Can you share one of your success stories? Oh, um, well, uh, of course the book. Um, which was something, you know, people said to me while I was writing the book, oh, I didn't know you were a writer. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Learned. <laughs> I have a PhD in English writing basically now. Um, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, I found a really good editor. There was just so many nuances to find out how to publish it, how to, you know, because I self-published. I did have some offers from um, publishing companies and I didn't want to lose the control where I have a brother who's a writer. He's a screen uh, right, screen, right, screen plays and plays. And so he's, you know, sold a bunch of things in, to Hollywood and they just take the, the screenplay, you know, to pack it and they put it on a shelf. Right. And some money. So if he ever wants it back, he could buy it back at a higher price, you know? So there, there was just a whole bunch of things that I didn't want to lose control over. So I self-published. So I had to learn how to do that. Then I had to learn how to um, market it and about media you know so i took some courses for that there's um steve harrison has a course that i highly recommend i'm involved with one now that i'm really very disappointed with um but he has um a couple of courses that i found very very helpful um and i learned how to publish the book and i made contacts with other entrepreneurs through these programs like who did you use to publish your book who did you use to build up a platform who you know which i didn't even know what a platform was you know so right. i really think the book is really um a, a success story and um that's going to be an online program one of these days when i have somebody else, you know, like I have everything kind of lined up. I just don't have the time to sit there and push the buttons to put it together. Um, you know, so that'll be interesting learning how to be an online person. Um, mm-hmm. I have aspirations to do that as well. So that's great. You do? Yeah. I do. I do. Um, yeah. Just thinking, of, thinking about fun and creative ways of presenting numbers online. Um, a lot of businesses go through highs and lows. Um, it was there a time in the 30 years that you've been in business where you faced a, um, a significant challenge and are you willing to share that and how you yeah, when there was a change in healthcare in and of itself 10 years ago it, so it was that. external factors yeah we i mean we were making less and less each year we had these employees working for us we were busy and the you know therapists are like well they're making all this money we were making less 
as a couple, we were making less than one therapist, you know, towards the end. And it was very, very frustrating. And it was upsetting, you know, because we had this lease that we couldn't get out of. Um, we did break the office up into half. We had to pay somebody $20,000 to get rid of half of it, you know, mm -hmm. broker um, who actually there's a dentist in the space because I'm still in the same building and I'm on the same floor, but I just have a like 800 square feet now. So it's much smaller, which is great. Um, so that, that was, and then turning it around into something that worked, that's profitable and I'm happy with. So that, I think that's the most proud um, mm -hmm. I am that, you know, I kind of pulled up my bootstraps and, you know, reestablished the practice and it worked. So I'm happy about that. The turnaround, you made it sound so easy. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody is going in, in, is in the middle of a turnaround or planning one, what's some advice you have for them, whether it's um, tactical advice or emotional advice? Emotionally, for me, what was very important was to exercise regularly. Yeah. And to make sure that I saw one girlfriend for a meal or I used to go to plays a lot with a girlfriend of mine. We used to get discounted tickets because she's a teacher. Um, but I, I like made it, you know, beyond seeing my kids who I love seeing and stuff like that. And my husband, you know, but it was like, make sure you just snip those pieces out because there were times I didn't. And I really like got, I, I was depressed. You know, it was overwhelming, you know, um, and I was like, how am I ever going to retire after all these years of working so hard? And, you know, the last 10 years, we, you know, you know, weren't really making profits and saving towards retirement, blah, 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 you know. So, <clears throat> you know, and I think, you know, the online world is the way I'll, I'll be able to hopefully have an income coming when I'm, you know, retired. So that, that internal chatter gets loud sometimes. Yeah, I, I call it my ricocheting brain. I like that. I'm I'm actually going to borrow that if you're okay with it. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that what it's like? You know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The great thing for that is is um, I have the I'm not I'm not selling anything, but this is the yeah. iPhone watch. Yeah. I just go into it and I'll say, "Hey Siri, remind me to write the blog article for Trish." Here's your reminder goes right into the reminder. The other thing um, is, which I haven't done, the productivity course that I took is putting an Alexis or Alexa in your bathroom. Because when you shower, I don't know about you, but most people, for some reason, that's when three things come up every morning. Oh, oh true. Well, I have med Well, I love water. So yeah, the meditative portion of it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, here I am washing my hair. I'm like, Oh, I have to remember to do that. And then I get out of the shower, dry myself. And I'm like, wait, what were, <laughs> so, you know, that, you know, That's a good one. Keep your cell phone in it. And you just, and I just learned that you can just say, Hey Siri. And, um, you don't even have to have it on it. She comes right in there and, and writes it down for you. That's really good one. Huh? I was just going to ask you, uh, what do you wish you would have known? <laughs> I wish Siri was a, you know, well, I used to always carry around my spiral notebooks. I always, whenever I had a project, it was a spiral notebook. And of course now it's, you know, folders in the um, computer, right. but um, it would be carried around. But I love, you know, I love because of my ricocheting brain, you know, that I'm creative, you know, yeah. um, and I think of things and, and I think of things probably twice as fast as a lot of other people do. 
Mm, that's right. Maybe double the amount of things too. <laughs> like I said, women are always like, we got superpowers in like three, four different places. Yeah, I, I think that tends to be like entrepreneurs. And I see like the, the gal who's running, helping to run my office, you know, like I said, she's a doctor, she's a young mom also, but yeah. she's much more um, uh, of an operations person and analytical. So it's not just women, you know, I think it's the type who have the, um, the balls to go into business on their own. <laughs> it's a choice every day. I say yeah. I just knew, I mean, I knew when I was 19, I wouldn't be able to work for people. I knew I had to work for myself. And so that's where I went into a career where I knew I'd be able to build something up that I enjoyed because I always loved working with people. So. Wow. If, if someone were uh, listening to this that was starting out in their practice, um, what is one tip you would give them? Uh, start small. Mm-hmm. Don't think being big is more, you know, you're going to profit more or more rewarding. Um, The trend now for healthcare professionals is to share space with people, get a room in a gym. You know, that's how I started my very, very, very first practice. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing because what I did is I focused on a gym that I knew I wanted where I knew I wanted to have the practice. Yeah. So I had a whole bunch of people call over a two week period saying, do you have a physical therapist? Oh, wow. And you know what? Um, a friend of mine opened a, a space in um, Union Square, and I think his fitness class is there. But I, I'm going to see it soon, and I think he, I think he has rooms or space for other. Yeah, people. I'm, I'm definitely looking into. I have one more year on this lease. I would like to have three places with you know therapists working in each one, like three little satellites, because the moms that I treat are either on the Upper East, Upper West. Mm. You know, apparently I had a patient in ba- from Battery Park City. She said, oh, you're famous in Battery Park City. I'm like, oh, really? Really? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Like, okay. <laughs> Do you include massage in your practice? Nope. It's just physical therapy. So I'm a manual therapist. So there may be some soft tissue mobilization that we do and things like that. But it's not like, come on in, you have a spa experience. Hmm. More of that available in the larger space, but it's not an affordable thing to do in Manhattan. Okay, I know a mas- I know a massage therapy practice that's down in a uh, financial district, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe you'll meet him at our ne- networking event. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, the, I think I, I mean like my light bulb went off. Yeah, so a lot of people think that they have to get their own uh, space, lease, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting out two days a week and doing some contract work. Um, you know, a friend of mine who's on the Upper West Side has a similar practice to mine, wanted to expand and, and we were going through our troubles and I just said to her, don't, <laughs> small and profitable. And she did, she's doing, you know, she's doing well. Um, I, you know, I just, and she tried, she, she called me again saying, really, I shouldn't? I said, no. Don't. <laughs> now, what do you, um, you feel comfortable where you, where you are right now? What is your vision for the next three years? For the business um to increase telehealth visits which i do do the online program with you know do, do i visit with people four times um to walk them through the program so they get some homework and we, we i do do that so baby I, bot program the baby bot program yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> um yeah i've, I've I did a thing on Fox News, um, the good Fox News, <laughs> about 
uh, giving Meghan Mar Markle advice on, you know, how to prepare for childbirth. And, oh, how and Dr. Manny kept on saying, Anne, you wrote a book about this. What would you suggest? I'm like, well, there's different exercises. So afterwards he said, you didn't plug your book. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the layup right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but um, what was the question? I lost my vision. Oh, was a vision next three years? Vision, yeah, that and the on online program. And I would like to meet up and having a really hard time finding therapists who have some experience or are interested in being in business for themselves, but as a limited partnership with me to have satellites of the baby bod program that we can, you know, just everybody have a nice time, have a nice little practice, you know, um, get a percentage fee, like a franchise a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but it's just, you know, and then we, I mean, we even see people, Barbara, who's the other therapist with me. Um, we actually went to school together. She, you know, she sees people in the home here in Manhattan. So we, we do that. Sometimes she's very busy. Sometimes he's not as busy, you know, and it's just like, you know, we're not cheap, but you know, between her, her and I, we've, I don't know, we've got like over 70 years experience. So. Wow. And so the person you're looking to hire is a certified physician? Um, they might be certified. They, there's certain coursework that they need to take and also experience, but it's also, I need somebody who's you know, we need somebody who's interested in helping me with social media, you know, um, that's a lot, you know, just even the media, if you go to my press page, it's like, you'll say, oh my goodness, she must be famous. Um, it's a lot of work to get all of these interviews. So you approached me and I was like, all right, great, fine. Oh, that's great. Yeah, well, I show my LinkedIn team. It works. Yeah. But it's nice. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for spending time uh, with me today, having this conversation, sharing with our audience uh, highs and lows of, of your experience. You had 30 years um, in this business. And if a woman or man uh, would like to gift an experience or um, meet with you, how can they do that? Oh, if they want therapy, they, they can just call. 212-661-2933 or um, they can make an appointment through our website, which uh, we have two of them. Um, one is Baby Bod Book. So it's B-A-B-Y-B-O-D and then book.com or just babybod.com. Um, so you can call. Uh, we don't have an online scheduler because we actually analyze whether or not the, it's the right person, you know, that, that this person, uh, that we're the right fit because sometimes it's not. So that that's the holidays are coming up. So can or do you offer gift certificates or are there those opportunities? Uh, what I do offer is we have a free guide that you can go on to um, one of our two sites. The other one is mrptny.com, uh, um, which stands for Marianne Ryan Physical Therapy New York. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we do have the baby bod program um, we, uh, guide, which includes about six exercises to start with. You can start no matter what, where you are, you can start with it right away. Unless you've had a C-section, you have to wait for six weeks. So, um, you know, it's just how to kind of change. And a lot of times you just change the way you kind of align yourself and the way you use your breathing patterns. And you can actually look like five pounds to 10 pounds thinner because what you're doing is, is you're getting your core muscles to automatically work and support your body, which as a therapist, I'm worried about, but everybody else is like looking to look better. <laughs> right. 
Um, it's a mix of both. Well, thank you very much for your time, for all that you do for women during this time. Um, Mary and Ryan, uh, babybod.com. There you go. Uh, thank you again. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Okay.